So could you please stand for the reading of God's uh, word? We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be reading verses 1, 11, and 31. Verses 1, 11, and 31. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past a childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Lord, please speak to us this morning. We know that this is your word and that you use it for our salvation and our sanctification. May your spirit do what he does best. Convince us of our necessity of you and what you did for us in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. And we all say, you may be seated. So for the last few weeks, we have been going through a series we have called By Faith, and we have one more sermon after this one, and we should be finished with it. And it's based on one chapter of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, in which we find a list of names um, from people in the Old Testament that gives us an example of what it means to live by faith from a Christian perspective. And today, we are talking about two ladies. Uh, Sarah and Rahab. Uh, and we're going to learn from them what it means to live a life of faith from a Christian perspective. Now, what I love, the reason why we chose these two ladies and we put them together is because, at least me, I haven't heard a lot of sermons about these two ladies. I've heard a lot of sermons about Abraham, Sarah's husband, and about Rahab sometimes. Um, especially because of the way the Bible describes uh, Rahab. And because of that, I think it's important that we pay attention to these two ladies because if they were listed by name in Hebrews 11, and these are the only two ladies listed by name in a chapter that has about 98% of males present, I, I think it's important that we listen to their story. There's a reason why they're there. So I'm asking the text this morning two questions, really simple questions. Number one, why are, there, why are they included in this list? That's a simple question, an important question. And two, what is it that they have in common? So my job today as a preacher is to try to convince you that there's a major reason why they're included there. And second, to show you that they share things in common that I think is partly the reason why they're included there. All right, so let's go with the first question. Why are they included in this list? So, as I mentioned already, uh, I find it intriguing that in a list of, in, in a chapter that has 98% of names, uh, in which there are 90% of people named there that are males, uh, it, it really, really, it, it's intriguing to me. Right? Because you don't see that a lot in the Bible, actually. Right? 
uh, and I think that sometimes we miss the important things because God usually miss uh, work in the little details. That's what I want you to see. But the second reason why I think that we got to spend some time thinking about these ladies is because of their context, their original context. So the, the original audience in the book of Hebrews and the original uh, context of both Rahab and Sarah were, um, was a cultural, uh, you could say it was a cultural society that uh, usually elevated male but not women. That's just part of the history, right? So if you wanted to learn what it means to live by faith, you would usually, by nature, gravitate in that culture at that time toward men, not women. Uh, which, in my opinion, that's something anti-biblical. So what I think that what the Lord is doing here is actually doing something countercultural. What I find interesting is that I think it's countercultural for them back then. And to a certain degree, it's countercultural for us today. There's a reason why these two ladies are there. And there's a reason why they fall under the category of heroes of our faith. So let's spend some time talking about Sarah. Um, and many of you know, uh, know this, the story of Sarah. You know that Sarah was Abraham's uh, wife. And Abraham is a key person in the history of the Bible, in the narrative of the Bible, right? Uh, you could say that Abraham was one of our spiritual fathers. And um, if you're familiar with this story, you know that in Genesis chapter 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham. What I mean by covenant is an unbreakable agreement. Um, and God tells Abraham that he's going to give him this kind of promised land. And that he's going to give him a family that is so and so large that he wasn't going to be able to count them. That's the covenant promise God makes in Genesis chapter 15. But if you know anything about this story, you know that there might be a problem with this covenant promise. Part of the problem was Sarah. Because Sarah was barren. And... Sarah was advancing years just like Abraham. In other words, they were both really old. Advancing years just sounds romantic. But that was the problem, two problems. She was barren and they were old, right? Now, if you skip two more chapters and you go to Genesis chapter 17, God reconfirms this covenant promise. And he tells them again that he's going to give them this land and that he's, Abraham and Sarah are going to be the parents of many, 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 many people. But in this occasion, God makes a different statement. Because he talks about Sarah. And we're going to put on the screen Genesis chapter 18. And this is what the Lord said. God also said to Abraham, I will bless her, meaning Sarah. And I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her. Uh, so that she will be the mother of nations, kings of peoples, will come from her. Now that sounds beautiful. But if you keep reading, and now you go to, um, this was Genesis chapter 17. Now if you go to Genesis chapter 18, for some reason, God feels, if you will, that he needs to re-reconfirm what he had already said. What I, what I find this so interesting. Three times he says the same thing. 
It almost feels like if Abraham was just another human being like the rest of us. That need to be repeated the same thing over and over and over again. And by Genesis chapter 18, this is when Sarah actually comes into the picture. Because in Genesis chapter 18, we actually see that Sarah was listening to what the Lord says to Abraham. Which is something that we do not see in the first two examples I gave you. So Genesis chapter 18, I'm going to put this one on the screen as well. And this is what it says, starting in verse 10. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent which was behind him. And then if you jump to verse 12, it says that Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, well, after I'm worn out, meaning old, and my Lord is old, meaning Abraham, will I now have this pleasure? How many of you guys ever heard that verse or read that verse before? How many of you guys ever heard Sarah as, as a good example of faith? It is because of this verse. It is because of this verse that we all assume that Sarah was not a good example of faith. She laughed. Now, you know what the problem with that verse is? It's not the verse. It's that we only read one passage of the Bible, and we forget Hebrews 11. Don't you find that to be a problem? So on this end, people might say, well, you know, she lacked faith. That's why she laughed. But Hebrews 11 says that she's an example of faith. How could this be? Well, I'm glad you asked, because <laughs> I've been studying like crazy for this one. I want to propose something to you, okay? Um, I want to invite you to read Sarah's life from a different perspective. And I don't think I'm going against the Bible. So let me make my case. Let's ask the question, why is it that Sarah was laughing? Let's ask the question if she was actually laughing because of doubt. Maybe. But maybe not. I mean, can you blame her? She's, she's an older lady. She's married to an older man. And you know that things change. <laughs> things don't work as well. Some things stop working. I don't have to explain much there. So from a human perspective, to hear this promise doesn't make any sense. And I want to argue that the reason why she laughed was not because she did not believe. I want to argue that the reason why she laughed, it was because it was more like an ironic laugh. Not necessarily because she did not believe. And the reason why I argue that that's what's happening here is because we got to take into consideration the relationship that Sarah has with Abraham. So there's a professor I checked, uh, Albert, uh, Robert Alter, which is um, a professor in the 1900s. Now, he was a professor of Hebrew literature, and he explains that the word pleasure there 
in the original has two meanings. One is like enjoying something, but the second meaning is that, the, that what, what the text is talking about is about intimate pleasure. Meaning that for some reason, Abraham and Sarah were not functioning as a normal couple for many, many years now. The part of the reason why uh, Sarah is having this problem, this ironic laugh, was not so much because she couldn't believe God, or she didn't want to believe God, but maybe, just maybe, it was because Abraham has not been loving her the way he was supposed to. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, so you don't think that I'm a hidden here, is because in that culture, at that time, to be barren, and I'm quoting this here, at best, she was considered to be useless, and at worst, she was considered to be cursed by God. That was Sarah's culture. That was Sarah's uh, context. And something tells me that Abraham, just like every other human being, was not doing what he was supposed to do. And something tells me that Abraham did not see her the way he was, to, he was supposed to see her. And you, the reason why I'm saying that is because that's the reason why Sarah has um, asked her slave to give Abraham a, chill, a child. Remember that? For some reason, Abraham knows that her husband does not love her. In that culture and in that time, to not have a child means that you were the lowest of, the, the, the lowest of all. You were not respected by society. You were labeled by society as an unworthy woman. You were rejected by your husband, husband and you were rejected by all. You know why? Because you did not have a child. That's why the context of the story is so important. Something tells me that Sarah is struggling with two things. One, I'm a barren woman. How could this ever be? And two, my husband doesn't even love me. How could that ever be? Now, the reason why I... The reason why I'm saying that is because it is only when you get that that you can actually understand why she was considered to be one of the heroes of our faith in Hebrews 11. It wasn't that she did not believe. It's that she had a hard time believing because of the circumstances. It is because she couldn't see it. I'm an older lady and my husband doesn't love me. How could that be? Now, the reason why I think that's important for us today is because for some reason, there are so many of us that think that when you believe in God, you don't have these internal struggles. I mean, I know you do because you have them, but we try to convince ourselves that there's something wrong with that. That to have faith in God does not allow us to experience these internal struggles. And I think that part of the reason why we struggle with things like that is because many, many, many of us have believed this lie about this triumphalistic view of Christianity in which when we believe in God, everything is supposed to get better. You know what the problem is with that? That's not in the Bible. We are not supposed to live our best life now. We're supposed to be 
We are fallen creatures in a broken world. And we fear and we struggle. And that doesn't mean that you don't have faith in God. How many people have I, have I counseled in the past that they think that they got to fix something about themselves because for some reason they have an ironic laugh? That's just part of what it means to be a human being, you know? If you don't struggle, even when you have faith in God, you are a saint. And we ought to worship you. But something tells me that we all struggle somehow, sometimes. Amen? Can you raise your hand? There it is. You know what the problem is with that, with that philosophy or that way of viewing Christianity? Is that you have or we have unrealistic expectations. So we, we come into faith and we want to walk with God, but we have these unrealistic expectations. And, and I think that one of the dangers is that we missed one of the most beautiful messages of the Bible, in my opinion. And is this. That God has the power to take your problems away. And he could do it. But that God is more powerful than that. Because God not only has the power to take your problems away, but he has, he has the power to work through your problems. That's power. Not only that he has the ability to take your problems away, but that he has the ability to work through your problems. And that's what we learn from Sarah. You know, from the time she received this promise to the time that she has that baby, years went by. Now, the second problem with that ideology or that view of Christianity is that it gives you an unjustified guilt. Now, there are so many times in which we struggle and we are guilty of it, but there are so many things and so many times that we go through things that it's just not our fault, like Sarah being barren or like Sarah not being loved by her husband. I mean, if you do a quick read of, his, of her story, you realize that this woman would really, really, really love this man. There is no reason why we should ever doubt that she did not love this man well. It was not, in my opinion, it was not her fault that her husband did not love her. It was not her fault that her husband believed the lie that the culture believed. So the reason why I'm saying that is because many of us in our walk with God, we... We have this unjustified guilt, and we ask question, questions like, if I'm a Christian, why am I going through this? If I'm a Christian, why do I feel this? If I'm a Christian, why, why, why things are going wrong? If I'm a Christian, is there anything else I could do to get rid of this? But sometimes, it doesn't matter what you do, how much you try, at the end of the day, you still feel what you feel. And you still have, every now and then, an ironic laugh. That was Sarah. Now, if you keep on reading, you go to Genesis all the way to Genesis chapter 21. And by God's mercy, God's grace, and God's providence, God gives her a baby, Isaac. Which means laughter. So, in a way... God transformed this ironic laughter into true joyful laughter. 
The question that we got to learn today, or we got to ask today to learn from her is this. How did she do it? How did she move from Genesis uh, chapter 17 all the way to Genesis chapter 21? How did she do it? And this is where Hebrews chapter 11 comes into the picture. Because it says that Sarah considered him faithful who had made the promise. This is how we grow in our, in our faith. And this is how we continue to go through our struggles. When we consider him faithful. Now, what is it? if you have been with us walking through this series, this word considered appears so many different times in the lives of all these people. Because the word considered is not like, mm, not, nothing like that. The word considered is more when you take the time to think. And to embrace and to meditate and to reflect not on the promises of God, but on the character of God. Did you notice that? Considered him, God, faithful. Now, what is interesting about the word faithful there is that can he, it, could, it could be translated in so many different ways. So for us to get the whole concept, I think that we've got to listen to all, every single one of those words. The word faithful can be translated as trustworthy. It can be translated as dependable. It can be translated as reliable. So this is what this lady did. Even in the midst of her internal struggle, she thought about God. She meditated on God. She spent time with God to the point that she believed not just the promise, but she believed the character and nature of God, that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy, that he is dependable, and that he is reliable. I have no idea how long it took her to get to that point. But what I do know is that that's what changed her. That's what turned Sarah from Genesis chapter 17 to Sarah in Genesis chapter 21. And this is one of those things also that we got to learn from her. Because in the midst of our struggles and in the midst of our pains, the hardest thing for us to do is to get out of ourselves. Part of our struggle, of our internal struggle, is, that, is, is the focus, the, the center of your attention becomes you and your problem. But that's not what Sarah did. What Sarah did was he, she got out of herself to think about God as much as she could and to remember God as much as she could. See, let me quote Spurgeon here again because he says that many Christians today have what he calls a faith and probabilities. Meaning that we believe in God if what God says that he's going to do looks like something that he is probably going to do. But he says that's not faith. That's when the quote comes. Faith is to trust him even when we cannot trace him. That's Sarah. That's why she's included in Hebrews 11. That's why she's an example of faith. Even as she struggled with internal things. You still with me? Now let's talk about Rahab. And this one is going to go faster here. Uh, because Hebrews 11 verse 31 says that Rahab uh, was a prostitute. And I don't have to explain that one. But she's included in that list because she did something heroic. It says that she welcomed 
the spies. So let me give you a little, a little bit of the background just in case you don't know this story. But Moses had just passed away. Joshua is the new leader of the Israelites. And one of the first tasks that uh, Joshua has is to take over this land at Jericho. And Jericho is a place that is uh, populated with a lot of people and is protected by this humongous wall. And Joshua sends a few spies to check out the land before destroying it. That's, that story is amazing, but I don't have time to explain it here. You know what I find interesting, though? This is parenthesis, commercial. This one is for free. <laughs> that if you read Hebrews 11, we know that Joshua is there. But he's not mentioned. Rahab is. Don't you find that interesting? We have someone that we have a lot to learn from, Joshua. And yet, his name is not even mentioned. The event is mentioned, but not him. And yet, Rahab is. And we know from the story in Joshua, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and on, that, that what Rahab did was when the spies came, she did four things for these people. She, wel she, wel uh, she welcomes them into her house. She protects them from the people of Jericho. She lies to protect them, and then she helps them escape. So we got to ask the question, why? Well, this is Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. We're going to put this in the screen. And she said to them, she's talking to the spies, I know that the Lord, can you say Lord? Notice here. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Now look at verse 10. We have heard how the who dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Now look at verse 11. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the your God is God in heaven above and on and on the earth below. Now, this is crazy, people. This is a Gentile that grew up not knowing anything about the God of the Israelites. That belongs to a group of people that have been condemned by God. That is a woman of the world, if you know what I mean. And that she's teaching us what it means to have faith in God. Because she understood that behind all the Israelites' past successes, there was a powerful God that overpowers kings. There's a powerful God that nature submits to him. And that there's a God that is above, above every other God. Now, this is the interesting thing. That she had never, ever seen any of that. She had only heard of it. She never had a, had a friend evangelizing her. She had only heard of it. She never had an encounter with God. She had only heard of him. She never had an spiritual experience. She had only heard. Do you know why that's important? Because faith 
comes by hearing. And because of that, she acted. Actually, that's what we see in Hebrews 11, verse 31. You know the word obedient right there? That word has two meanings. To obey and to believe. And the others make no mistakes here. To obey, to believe, is to obey. And when we obey, means that we believed. That's why Rahab is here. She's teaching us two things at the same time. That we can only grow, believe, and grow in our faith when we continue to hear. I know that we are part of a culture in which we need the experience. And I know that we're part of a culture that sometimes we need to feel something. There's nothing wrong with that. As you can see, as you can see I feel a lot of things. But at the end of the day... We only come to faith and continue to grow in our faith when we hear. And we hear over and over again. And we continue to hear over and over again. And you know how many times you got to listen? As many times as possible because the more we hear, the more we believe. That's something that the popular culture has forgotten. You know, about 10 years ago, I was hearing the testimony of this man that for six years in a row used to go to church week in and week out. And for all those six years, he felt that he didn't feel anything. And he felt that God was not teaching him anything. And he felt that he was not growing in anything. He just kept on going and going until one day after six years, he got cancer. And this is what he says. What I did not know is that throughout all those six years, God was preparing me for this moment. So I don't know if you, you need an experience with God and if you haven't praised God. But even if you don't, you only believe and continue to grow in your beliefs when you expose yourself time after time to his voice. By you reading it, by you listening. That's what I do every time I struggle. Every time I struggle. Either I have to read the Bible or I have to pray or I have to talk. Talk to someone about God, or I just pop a sermon from somebody. I don't care who it is. Just please talk to me. Because that's the only way I get out of myself. And I see him. But then the second thing that we learn from Rahab, and the reason why she's there, is because she knows that to believe is to act. So let me quote Spurgeon for a third time. He says that it's a fallacy to claim to believe in God, and to not act upon it. This is what he says. Trust not your faith unless it has self-denial with it. Faith and self-denial denial is like, the, is like Siamese twins. They are born together and they must live together. That's a beautiful illustration. We have no permission to claim to believe in God and not act upon it. These two ladies have so many things to teach us. That's the reason why they're included in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And that answers the question, why is it that they're there? But really quick, I want to answer the second question. Is why is it, what is it that they have in common? Now, the obvious answer is that they both have faith in God. But that's too easy. There's got to be something else. 
In my opinion, there's, got to be, there's something else that is even more amazing than their faith. Is that these two ladies have two things in common besides their faith. Number one, they were both considered to be unworthy people. And that's important. See, I already told you, Sarah was barren. In that society, at best, he was, she was considered useless, and at worst, probably considered cursed by God. And in that society, if you had no children, you were doomed to destruction. In other words, Sarah was the lowest of the low. low. She was a social outsider, gender outsider, economic outsider. You have no kids, you have nothing. And Rahab was a prostitute. Does that matter? Yes. Because I want you to hear this. God never works through insiders. Only through outsiders. God works for, for and with the poor, the marginal and the excluded and the oppressed. God works through weakness, not through power. He works through failure, not through achievement. God always works with and for the wrong person. Is that a beautiful thing? That's not mine. In this case, God worked through a barren woman, an older woman, and an unloved woman. And she's an example of faith. That's why pride is such an issue if you want to serve the Lord. It is only when we know that we are nothing that he makes us something. And the second thing that we can learn from these two ladies is that it's because of them that we have Jesus. Well, that's amazing. Because of Sarah, we got Isaac. And because of Isaac, we got this everlasting covenant. That's what Genesis says. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that everlasting covenant. And because of Rahab, we have Jesus. That's why she's included in the genealogy of our Savior in Matthew chapter 1. That's amazing. See, part of the reason why they're included in Hebrews 11 is because if we don't have any of these broken ladies, we don't have a strong Savior. If these ladies were not chosen by God the way they were, we would not have a Savior today. And that's why we have to admire them. And that's why we need to think of them. And that's why we have to thank them. Because without them, we don't have the love that we always wanted. We don't have the significance we were looking for. We don't have the forgiveness we needed. And we don't have the dignity that God gave us in Jesus Christ. That's why we need them. Amen? Can you please stand? I did 34 minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs> Let's receive the blessing that Jesus Christ guarantees for us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the church says, have a blessed day. Thanks for coming.